The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Rick, there's going to be some excitement here tonight. We're going to make an arrest in your cafe. Not again? Oh, this is no ordinary arrest. A murderer, no less. If you're thinking of warning him, don't put yourself out. He cannot possibly escape. I stick my neck out for nobody. A wise foreign policy. Well, of course. La Tunisie. Nice. Qu'est-ce que vous avez fait pour les avoir? You made this arrest earlier in the evening at the Blue Parrot. Without my high regard for you, we're staging it here. It will amuse your customers. <laughs> Our entertainment's enough. Rick, we'd have an important guest here tonight. Major Strasser of the Third Reich, no less. We want him to be here when we make the arrest. A little demonstration of the efficiency of my administration. Lou, you've got something on your mind. Why don't you spill it? How observant you are. As a matter of fact, I wanted to give you a word of advice. Yeah? Rick, there are many exit visas sold in this cafe, but we know that you've never sold one. That is the reason we permit you to remain open. Oh, I thought it was because I let you win at roulette. Uh, that is another reason. There is a man arrived in Casablanca on his way to America. He will offer a fortune to anyone who'll furnish him with an exit visa. Uh, what's his name? Victor Laszlo. Rick, Laszlo must never reach America. He stays in Casablanca. It'll be interesting to see how he manages. Manages what? His escape? Oh, but I've just told you. Stop it. Escaped from a concentration camp. The Nazis have been chasing him all over Europe. This is the end of the chase. 20,000 francs says it isn't. Is that a serious offer? I just paid out 20. I'd like to get it back. Make it 10. I'm only a poor, corrupt official. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, August 18th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. I wonder... Are poor, corrupt officials more virtuous than the rich, corrupt officials? <laughs> you know, I can't help but draw a comparison between the staged raid for the entertainment of the Third Reich in our opener from the classic 1942 film Casablanca and the staged raid carried out at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home a couple of weeks ago. Only that one was for the Fourth Reich this time round. However sinister and unprecedented, like most staged raids visible to the public, the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, I believe, was primarily theater. And when all the world's a stage, you don't want to miss the main act. We have to be sure we understand the plot, and most importantly, to distinguish the real narrative from the propaganda. Amidst all of the analysis and reaction to the FBI raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, no one is speaking to the crux of the matter. The raid took place only days after Trump's incredible CPAC speech, suggesting to me that Trump must have said something that really upset them. And boy, did he ever. And that, I think, is where the real story is, the real narrative that staged acts are hoping to distract us from. But even more concerning, I think, is that many on the right are missing the story behind the raid. The story that is Trump's to tell. And it's the story that the globalists and all of their deep state minions do not want the world to hear. Which is exactly 
why we shall broadcast that story right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Headline, FBI seized top secret files at Trump's Florida home. Written by Sarah Lynch, National Post, August 13th, subheading, Former President May Have Violated Espionage Act, DOJ says in bombshell disclosure. And I quote, FBI agents who searched former President Donald Trump's Florida home this week removed 11 sets of classified documents, including some marked as top secret, the U.S. Justice Department said on Friday, while also disclosing that prosecutors had probable cause to believe Trump may have violated the Espionage Act. The bombshell disclosures were made in a search warrant and accompanying legal documents released four days after FBI agents carried out the search of Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence in Palm Beach, based on a warrant approved by a federal magistrate judge. Trump, in a statement on his social media platform, said the records at issue were all declassified and placed in secure storage. They didn't need to seize anything. The Justice Department said in the warrant application approved by U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt that it had probable cause to believe that Trump may have violated the Espionage Act, a federal law that prohibits the possession or transmission of national defense information. The department also said it had concerns he may have broken several other statutes related to the mishandling of government records, including one that makes it a crime to try to hide or destroy government documents regardless of whether they are classified. FBI agents took more than 30 items, including more than 20 boxes, binders of photos, a handwritten note, and the executive grant of clemency for Trump's ally and longtime advisor, Roger Stone, a list of items removed from the property showed. Also included in the list was information about, quote, the president of France, end quote. And then, under the subheading, no evidence documents declassified, quote, There are three primary levels of classification for sensitive government materials. Top secret, secret, and confidential, end quote. Then the article continues to explain the differences between these classifications and ends up by saying that Trump and the National Archives had been working together throughout 2021 in a process that Trump called, quote, an ordinary and routine process, end quote. Wow. You know... This article said absolutely nothing about anything that Trump did improperly. May have violated, but didn't. And by the way, couldn't have because he's the one with the authority to possess them, classify them, or declassify them. And guess what? Trump wants them all declassified and released to the public. Doesn't really sound like a guy who's particularly concerned about what the FBI, by the way, a thoroughly corrupt to the core agency, may or or may not do with the documents. And I mean even in that short article, the sentence, probable cause to believe that Trump may have violated the Espionage Act, it appears twice in a couple of paragraphs and in the headline. And yet there's no evidence of that and not even one thing said about it. What did he do? The term bombshell disclosures 
was used in both the headlines and in the body of the propaganda piece, but where was the bombshell? And boy, I'll bet that that information about the president of France <laughs> must be a real bombshell, since they went out of their way to mention it. And just imagine the horror of the national threat faced by binders of photos and a handwritten note. Why these particular meaningless details? Well, because they have nothing. And Trump has all the goods on them, which is what they were really searching for. And that, dear listeners, is the bombshell. Everyone is frantically analyzing and talking about the nuances and legalities surrounding the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home when the real story is not in the details of the raid itself, but in the fact that the raid took place in the first place. That's a bombshell. And it's just a continuation of the greater narrative that we've been following ever since Donald Trump entered the American political scene way back in 2015. From the beginning of all of the events, from the so-called COVID viruses to lockdowns, masking, all of that, that have been a direct response to the fact that a majority of Americans support Donald Trump. Not only is Trump being persecuted, but so too are all people who identify anywhere near the right whom Trump most represents. Donald Trump is the world's greatest threat against the evil of the deep state, the evil of the globalists, the evil of the Democratic Party. And even so, the FBI bombshell is still not about Trump. It's about the evil itself. It's about them and the fact that they would even have ever undertaken such an unprecedented and uncalled for raid. And if you recall that great meme that was in circulation some time ago, in which we see a photo of Donald Trump accompanied by the caption, It's not me thereafter. It's you. I'm just in the way. Absolutely true. And I continue to be amazed that even among my own associates and friends on the right, very few are aware of the incredible speech and performance that Donald Trump delivered at the last CPAC convention, which I happened to find on the site of The Independent, posted on August 6th. That the timing of the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home should have happened so shortly after Trump's speech is no surprise to me. In fact, what Trump had to say was so profound that all but one of the audio bites surrounding our bumper breaks for the balance of the show today will be taken from Trump's speech because this is what terrifies the globalists and the deep state alike. So as we gather tonight, our country is being destroyed more from the inside than out. America is on the edge of an abyss, and our movement is the only force on Earth that can save it. This movement right here, what we do in the next few months and the next few years will determine whether American civilization will collapse or fail, or whether it will triumph and thrive Frankly, like never before, this is no time for complacency. We cannot be complacent. We have to seize this opportunity to deal with the radical left, socialist lunatics and fascists, and we have to hit them very, very hard. It has to be a crippling defeat because our country cannot take it. You remember when I was campaigning, and again, we did much better in the second election than we did in the first, by many millions of votes, much, much better. But I used to say, 
Not thinking this could even be very possible, but it always had a chance that we'll be Venezuela large-scale or Venezuela on steroids. That's what's happening to our country. It's not even thinkable. We have to take this chance to shatter the corrupt Washington establishment once and for all. We have to run aggressive, unrelenting and boldly populist campaigns. Populist. We want to be populist. We want to love our country. That's what we want. And we have to throw off the shackles of globalism and reassert two very important words. You know what the words are? America first. It's a very simple thing. We have to put our country first. We had that done, and we were doing great. If we do this, then not only will we fire Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, crazy Nancy Pelosi, prosperity and prestige will come back, and it'll come back strongly. Victory cannot come a moment too soon. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together, and they would not have done the damage that Joe Biden has done to our country in less than two years. The contrast between the Trump administration's amazing success and the Biden administration's breathtaking failure could not be more stark. As we secure the border, another key priority for the next Congress and the next president will be to drain the swamp once and for all. To remove rogue bureaucrats and root out the deep state, Congress should pass groundbreaking reform, empowering the president to ensure that any federal employee who is corrupt, incompetent, or unnecessary for the job can be told, you're fired. You ever hear that? You're fired. Yeah, fired. Our current appeals process to remove these bureaucrats, people that can really be bad, they can even be thieves. You can catch them stealing large sums of money. You have to go through a three-stage appeals process which takes, on average, five years per stage. Fifteen years, you'll be gone. You'll be out of office by that time. In other words, to fire someone who is doing a bad job if the government wins will take more than a decade under the current system. Almost all politicians won't start that process because they'll be gone and they know it. You know, a lot of politicians, they go to Washington, they're all set. And then they get caught up with people that say, hey, I'll be here a hell of a lot longer than you will. And the politician just goes about having nice dinners. We can't do it anymore. We've got to run this country properly. Because it's time to clean house in Washington, D.C. And we did a lot of it, but nobody knew the deep state was that deep. We should expose exactly what they're doing what they're hiding, who they're silencing, and who is funding it all, and who is coordinating it. The list of urgent tasks for the next Congress and the next president is endless, and we do not have to wait. We have to move quickly. We don't have time to wait. Our country is being shot. It's being destroyed. It's something we have to do for the future. The future of our country is at stake. We don't have time to wait years and years. We won't have a country left. What I used to say about Venezuela is true.
Our goal should be same-day voting with only paper ballots. That should be our goal. Only paper. You know, France just had... France, which is a pretty big country, just had 55 million people vote, all paper ballots, all same-day voting. By 10 o'clock in the evening, the election was over. And the person that lost didn't go around complaining. It's on to the next one. I'd much rather do that. I'd much rather do that. But that would be the worst thing that could happen to our country. Because we have to have honest elections, or we have to have borders, or we don't have a country. The election was rigged and stolen, and now our country is being systematically destroyed. And everybody knows it. And this corrupt January 6th of unselect people, they're unselect. They never comment when I use it. It's the unselect committee. But this corrupt group of people, these are the same people that went after me for the impeachment hoax, number one, number two. The same people, Adam Shifty Shift, the same people. They look into the mics, then they lose, and then they go on to the next one. It's a disgusting. If they'd use the same energy to go and make our country great, it would be an incredible thing. But I don't know if they can do that. But I ran twice. I won twice and did much better the second time than I did the first, getting millions and millions of more votes than in 2016, and likewise getting more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country by far. And now we may have to do it again. We may have to do it again. Thank you. Thank you. It's so sad what's happened to our country. We're like a third world country in elections, and we're like a third world country on airports. Has anybody been flying around lately or trying? We're like third world. But first, we have to win an earth-shattering victory in 2022. We have to do it, coming up in November. So to win in this November, this election needs to be a national referendum on the horrendous catastrophes the radical Democrats have inflicted on our country. The Republican Party needs to campaign on a clear pledge that if they are given power, they're going to fight with everything they have to shut down the border, stop the crime wave, beat inflation, and hold the Biden administration accountable. They have to hold it accountable. Finally, everywhere we have the chance, we must pass critical election integrity reforms, including universal voter ID. They don't want a voter ID. They don't want voter ID under no circumstances. We don't want voter ID. There's only one reason they don't want voter ID, because they want to cheat. Well, duh. That seems to me so obvious a conclusion, so self-evident, that any resistance to so basic and fundamental a democratic principle reeks of malevolence and tyranny. I've been doing a lot of thinking about elections myself of late, and I'm only referring to the election process, which of course must begin with voter ID. I would add to what Trump suggested a voter registry that is updated and kept current 
after each election to ensure that people, even if they have voter ID, are voting in the proper jurisdiction and not crossing into several jurisdictions, perhaps voting several times, etc., etc., which was but one of the many realities of the 2020 stolen election. And yes, in every respect, that election was a stolen election, which we on Just Right have maintained since the very night of the election, having seen it with our own eyes and having had it verified repeatedly by two very different sources. On the one hand, the narratives and excuses offered by the people who cheated, not the least of which was their announcement well in advance of the election and covered on this show that they fully planned to cheat. And two, the follow-up investigations into chosen polling areas that revealed out-and-out cheating by millions upon millions of votes. Or rather, ballots. <laughs> there is a difference. And on the subject of ballots, another thing I've been thinking about is that ballots should be printed in a fixed quantity based on the current and ever-updated voter registry, kept current by the voters themselves. That should be their obligation. And if you don't register for the following election, well, then you've got to sit that one out. And the ballots should each have a distinct serial number with a carbon copy of some sort that a voter can keep as his private democratic receipt with both the serial number of the ballot and a record of which candidate he selected. The voter registry and numbered ballots should have nothing to do with each other aside from balancing the numbers on the registry with the total of ballots issued. But for sure... Trump nailed it when he called for paper ballots, which in the end can be the only kind of objective evidence proving a vote count. And yes, you can still use computers and databases to do the counting and calculations, but the original documents must be on paper and kept in a safe place. These are all still ideas and concepts I've been working on and hope to expand upon in the near future, but I digress from the fact of the stolen election, which is at the heart of the globalist grip on power in America. And it is but one of the reasons that globalists fear Trump so much. Remember, it's not who votes that counts, it's who counts the votes that determines the outcome of elections. But if you were one of the bad guys, you know, a globalist on the left... Consider the threat posed to you by what Trump literally called for in the remarks we've already heard thus far. I love how he uses terms like, we've got to deal with the radical left socialist lunatics. He calls them what they are. But he's calling for a crippling defeat. We have to shatter the corrupt Washington establishment once and for all. Remove rogue bureaucrats. Root out the deep state. Get rid of corrupt, incompetent, unnecessary employees. Clean house in Washington. Expose exactly what they're doing, what they're hiding, who they're silencing, who is funding it all, and who is coordinating it. Wow. And in my humble opinion, it is precisely those things that Trump has records of and that he has compiled on his own and which give him the confidence to say what he's saying. And I also think it was those personal records that belonged to Trump and Trump alone that the FBI was fishing for by raiding his home in Florida. And according to some accounts I've heard, thanks to Trump's security cameras of having recorded the entire raid, 
Apparently, Melania's lingerie and personal items were also among the places searched for evidence of Trump violating the Espionage Act. <laughs> now that's what I call a, a bombshell disclosure. <laughs> Yikes. You know, if I was in the deep state, I'd be in a deep state of shock after hearing Trump's plans. And of course, I would do everything possible to prevent Trump from carrying out his plans, no matter the consequences. And that's exactly what the world has been enduring for the past two or three years, and I fear the worst is yet to come. But lest anyone be left with the impression that Trump is all about Trump and fighting his personal enemies, let us never forget that he's been the only politician I've seen for years who actually cares about the people and his country. And on this score, he had some pretty specific plans and actions to suggest. One of them being about what to do with all of the homeless people and drug-addicted people and others despoiling the downtown cores of cities across the continent. Even in my own hometown of London, Ontario, this has become a chronic problem, and I would wholeheartedly endorse Trump's plan on this issue for any city anywhere that is dealing with these kind of consequences of leftist governments everywhere. And just wait till you hear which issue got the loudest applause of them all at the CPAC convention. It's an eye-opener. It's also time to take back our streets and public spaces from the homeless and the drug-addicted and the dangerously deranged. Because no civilized society can allow this depravity and squalor to continue. You can't let this happen. Places like San Francisco, the backyard of Nancy Pelosi. She, by the way, has a big wall around her house. You know that, right? But it's so bad. It's gotten so bad. People are leaving. Nobody wants to have office space there. Who would want to have an office space when you're walking through a lot of people that are unfortunate and, in many cases, very sick, mentally ill? It's actually dangerous to walk into your office. If liberal, liberals think that it's somehow compassionate, then you're going to have to let them invite the homeless to camp in their backyards, in their homes, and ruin their property, and attack their families, and use drugs where their children are trying to play. And all of a sudden, that'll stop very quickly. The only way you're going to remove the homeless encampments and reclaim our downtowns is to open up large parcels, large tracts, of relatively inexpensive land on the outer skirts of the various cities and bring in medical professionals, psychiatrists, psychologists, and drug rehab specialists and create tent cities. You have to have it. They have tents right now. They're living in tents with holes in them. You don't have time to build buildings. You can do that later, but you have to get the people off the street. We have to bring back, we have to reclaim our cities. And now, You'll have people that will be taken care of. We'll have doctors. We'll have everything. And we have to relocate the homeless until they can get their lives back and then come back to where they want to be. And we'll bring a lot of them back. They will come back. But right now, nobody's coming back. You have no medical help. You have no nothing. It's so dangerous, those streets. Los Angeles is so bad. San Francisco. Every city that's run by Democrats, so bad. We want them to succeed. We want people to succeed. 
but they cannot be allowed to turn every sidewalk and public park into their personal campground. It's so dangerous. As we take power out of Washington, we also need to take power back from the left-wing lunatics who are indoctrinating our youth. We have to finally and completely smash the radical left's corrupt education establishment. The current system is sick. It's sick. We have the lowest scores almost in the world, and we spend more per pupil than any other nation. School prayer is banned, but drag shows are allowed to permeate the whole place. It's okay. You can't teach the Bible, but you can teach children that America is evil and that men are able to get pregnant. <laughs> Whatever it takes, conservatives must liberate America's children from the captivity of these Marxist teachers' unions. That's what they are. Where do they come from? We need to defend parents' rights. Think of this. I gave a talk a few days ago, and I was talking about defending parents' rights. And I just said, you know, it's parents' rights. I said, can you imagine we're even talking? We are going to defend parents' rights. Did you ever think 10 years ago, five years ago, that we would be fighting for parents' rights? What's more basic? than parents' rights, especially parents' rights over their children. We're trying to defend parents' rights. It's so crazy. Across the country, we need to implement strict prohibitions on teaching inappropriate racial, sexual, and political material to America's school children in any form whatsoever. And if federal bureaucrats are going to push this radicalism, we should abolish the Department of Education. And we will keep men out of women's sports. And no teacher should ever be allowed to teach transgender to our children without parental consent. At the same time, we need to get critical race theory and left-wing gender ideology out of our military. I had it out. I had it out. The world is too dangerous for America's armed forces to be politically correct. We must also win the battle to restore free speech in America. Republicans across government have to be ruthless in going after the new censorship regime. It's censorship. It's worse than it's ever been. I've never seen anything. It used to be even 10 years ago, because I was always very active with different things, and I'd fight the media. I'd, I'd say something dead. You know, you go back. Today, they don't even talk about it. 
If you have anything to do with the election, they don't want to talk about it. If you have anything to do with certain things, they won't even talk about it. They don't want to debate it. January 6th never brings up the election, which is the reason all of those people were there. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to look at the corruption that took place. You know what else they don't want to talk about? How about that phony story? I'm sitting in the back of the beast. I wasn't sure if I should be honored, because I felt very strong. And I had these two big, strong Secret Service guys. If one guy could lift 350 pounds, no problem. And I said, take me to the Capitol. No, oh, sir, can't do it. So I grabbed this steering wheel. The commandant. And he rebuffed me, she said. He rebuffed. Interesting word. He rebuffed me. Yeah, like this. He rebuffed me. So my hands fell around another powerful guy. Strong as hell. I know these people. These are very strong people. It's just not my deal. And I started to choke him. I felt, you know, when, so when the story came out, some people said, I never knew you were that strong physically. And then I, they said I started throwing food all over the White House. No, I have too much respect for the White House. But that somebody could sort of believe. You know that you could. But to think that I'm going to be jumping into the seat Grabbing a wheel, being rebuffed, grabbing this big, powerful guy, his neck is like this, and grabbing, I'm going to take him. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, well, we have to put, and, and guess what? The Secret Service put out an announcement, which they never do, put out an announcement that it never happened, which everyone knew anyway. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. You know why I think the Secret Service released that statement acknowledging that Trump never attacked them? (laughs) It was self-defense. Of their reputation, that is. I mean, they didn't want to be embarrassed by the idea of Trump being able to physically overpower them so easily. Who's going to hire them as bodyguards after being taken down by Trump? (laughs) You know, there were a lot of great social media parodies of Trump attacking his bodyguards and his chauffeur. All, of course, based on an outrageously fabricated testimony given before the January 6th show trial. But Trump is a guy with a sense of humor, an amazing amount of energy, and a clear path laid out in front of him as to where he intends to go. Trump was in amazing shape and sharper than Joe Biden ever was in his prime. Today, the contrast between Trump and Biden is beyond belief. I can't even picture Biden having formed a single sentence or thought like those being presented by Trump. That alone is more evidence of a stolen election. But what did you think when Trump said we should abolish the Department of Education? Did you hear how that crowd just roared with approval for that one? No other issue I heard discussed got anywhere near that kind of response. I almost fell off my seat when I first heard the reaction because I simply wasn't expecting it. And that reaction should tell us something, like where the average person's priorities are. 
their kids and their families. Yeah, preventing the collapse of civilization is all well and fine, but don't mess with my kids. And Trump hit every sore spot on that account. Like Trump, I too am amazed that it should be necessary to assert parental rights and authority over one's children. That any politicians or people in some kind of authority would ever even suggest that children have the right to consent is an abomination to every possible moral code of which I am aware. Of course, this has all been part of the number one key effort on the part of the deep state to get 100% of the population injected with the pretended vaccines that have nothing to do with COVID or with viruses. And the obsession with transgender, made official and protected by laws, is evidence of a psychological sickness, not of an ideology. Quit calling it an ideology. And the idea of allowing children to consent to sex change surgery against the wishes of their parents is a Rubicon that I would never have believed could be crossed. This is what the collapse of a civilization looks like. To say nothing of men and women's sports, or in their washrooms. And truly, at the heart of all this intellectual and moral dysfunction is indeed the public education system. And this is true in all countries. And when I heard Trump suggest that the Department of Education should be abolished, I was just astounded. It was a political dream come true. Of all the issues facing civilization today, putting schools back in the hands of private individuals might be the best political uninvestment we could possibly make. Remember, when people say public education, that's a euphemism for state-financed government education. And when you have an education system funded by coercion and through taxes, don't be surprised by all of the coercive and violent ideologies that any such institute might engender. And prohibiting the teaching of what is being called critical race theory is absolutely necessary. Critical race theory is the exact opposite of what its label suggests. It is simply uncritical racism. And being critical of that is forbidden under critical race theory. Shame on all those uncritical racists. And of course, no country can possibly claim to be free without the fundamental right to free speech by each and every individual in that country. Trump is rightly proposing that free speech be restored, but the part of his proposal that intrigues me was the part where he suggested that the government should, quote, go after the censorship regime, which sounds a lot like how he was talking about rooting out the deep state. And what a self-evident observation to make when Trump pointed out how the January 6th hearings never allowed the issue of the stolen election to be raised, which was the very reason that the people gathered in Washington that day. How can you have a hearing over an issue where the cause of the issue isn't even allowed to be discussed. With that single observation, Trump just devastated the entire January 6th hearings process by revealing it to be the sham that it was. Welcome to the New World Order. Coming up next, on this side of the bumper, more Republican platform suggestions from Donald Trump, while on the return side of the bumper, 
Britain's Carl Benjamin adds an entirely new dimension to the Trump narrative, namely, the narrative itself. To bring down energy prices, we have to abolish the Green New Deal. It's a fake. It's a fake. It's a fake. And, you know, we had the cleanest air and the cleanest water in decades in my administration, and yet we were producing more energy, more oil, more everything than we've ever done before. Instead of begging for oil from Iran and Venezuela and other distant foreign nations, we should be pumping it from Pennsylvania, North Dakota, Louisiana, and if you don't mind, Texas, if you don't mind. We should once again require able-bodied single adults to go back to work or train for a job in order to receive welfare and taxpayer-funded benefits. We need the workers. We have to eliminate all remaining COVID mandates and lockdowns. And we have to rehire every patriot who was fired from the military with an apology, and we have to give them their back pay. We have to restore America first. We have to go back to the America first foreign policy. We have to be America first. Right now, we are truly America last. We are America last. Focus squarely on our national interests, and we have to keep the United States out of these ridiculous, endless foreign wars where they don't even want us. We could end up in World War III because we are being governed by incompetent people. Could happen. And this war will be worse than any war ever because we have weapons the likes of which nobody has ever seen before. But you say, where does it stop? Where does it end? It probably doesn't stop. Because despite great outside dangers, our biggest threat remains the sick, sinister, and evil people from within our own country. Never forget everything this corrupt establishment is doing to me is all about preserving their power and control over the American people. They want to damage me in any form so that I can no longer represent the hardworking citizens of our country. And the fake news media is totally complicit in all of these things that are happening. If I renounced my beliefs, if I agreed to stay silent, if I stayed home, or if I stayed in my basement, <laughs> the persecution of Donald Trump would stop immediately. That's what they want me to do, but I can't do that. And I will not do that because I love our country and I love the people of our country so much. Thank you. I'm not doing this for me because I had a very good and luxurious life. You know that, Carrie? I had a very luxurious life. What the hell did I do? But I do it for you, and it's my honor to do it. It's my great honor to do it. Because if I don't, our nation is doomed to become another Venezuela or become another Soviet Union, which is where we're headed, or become a very large-scale version of Cuba, where all is lost and there is no hope.
But no matter how big or powerful the corrupt radicals we are fighting against may be, no matter how menacing they appear, we must never forget that this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you. There is a lot of talk online in right-wing spaces about who should run for president on the Republican ticket in the 2024 election. There are various groups of people who are advocating for a variety of candidates, but I'm afraid there is only one legitimate choice at this stage. It has to be Trump. It's not simply because Trump is the most popular candidate with Republicans in America, even though he is. It's not just because the strong men of the world watched themselves under his unpredictable leadership, even though they did. It's not just because the world was more stable and peaceful when he was calling the shots, even though it was. It's not because Trump achieved energy independence for the United States, which is what happened. It's not even because, as a businessman, he knew how to run a roaring economy, pandemic issues aside. It wasn't the extreme lows in poverty and unemployment and the extreme highs in wage growth in the stock market, even though everyone remembers how well they were doing under Trump. And while most voters believe it was the Democrats who ran the economy into the ground. All of these are good reasons to expect that Trump can turn Biden's sinking ship around, but these are not the real reasons why it has to be Trump. I've got no doubt that Rand Paul or Ron DeSantis could very competently implement a similar agenda. However, it has to be Trump, because Trump is the protagonist of an important moral story whose narrative arc has yet to resolve, and resolve it must. Now, you might be thinking, what? Why is that important? And the answer to that is that every moral lesson that humans understand about the world, they understand through the art of storytelling. Take yourself, for example. You know where you are and where you are supposed to be, because you have the story of yourself in your head. You were born somewhere to certain parents, and a series of coherent events in your life led you to be who you are now and where you are now, and that explains why this is the case. It is the story that Trump presented to the American people that brought him to power in 2016. America used to be great, but it was being run into the ground by people who, fundamentally, despised their own country and sneered at the beating heart of it, the regular American working family. These people, who thought they were better than the average American, decided to use their positions of power and privilege to do your country down and raise other countries up in their estimation and their prestige, while filthily enriching themselves at your expense. It is not acceptable, at least not to anyone who loves America, to hell with these traitors. It was time to make America great again, and that was Trump's message. He repudiated every single member of the coastal elite and won a great victory that, to be frank, I think only he could have won. Because there is only one Donald J. Trump, with his character, with his fame, his self-evident patriotic spirit. And I think that is what touched the hearts of so many millions of Americans and propelled him to glory. It's also what drove the Democrats and a sizable number of Republicans absolutely mad. He stood to overturn decades of innovation and self-enrichment that they had so insidiously worked to accomplish. 
They hated him, not because of his flaws, which we all have, but despite them. Because, at the bottom of it, his heart was in the trim. So they did everything they could to stop him. Non-stop insults, condemnations, misrepresentations, lies, smears, false investigations. And eventually, this took its toll. And it seemed to those regular folk who supported Trump that the coastal elites had stolen his victory and instead installed a geriatric puppet who would enact their anti-American agenda. True international effort to pressure. And if it had ended there, then maybe none of this would be required. But it didn't end there, did it? Instead, the Biden regime has decided to abandon the necessary tradition of a functioning republic, that is, not persecuting the previous administration, and has instead weaponized every institution that they can against anyone who was close to Trump. Bannon, Flynn, Stone, and many more, all targeted because of their associations with Trump. And it doesn't end there, of course, because now the Biden regime is hiring 87,000 new IRS agents, and who do you think they're going to be going after? Democrat voters in blue states? Don't be ridiculous. And finally, we get the coup de grace, the FBI storming Mar-a-Lago unannounced, allegedly to find classified documents, as if there was some higher authority on classification than the president himself. This didn't happen to Hillary Clinton, didn't happen to Hunter Biden, or anyone connected with Jeffrey Epstein, and you know why. This was political. It doesn't even matter if the Biden regime wasn't aware that the FBI was going to do it. The Democrats turned the FBI into their political machine, and now it has a will of its own. So what this reveals to us is the shape of the cartel that is currently occupying the seats of power in the United States. A gross, corrupted, degenerate, Machiavellian collection of villains who have decided that they cannot live in peace with their fellow countrymen and do not care about the established rules and customs of the republic in which they live. They will break any rule, tell any lie, and persecute any citizen as long as it helps them maintain their hold on power. This cannot be allowed to stand. This is not a question of mere politics anymore. This is a question of cosmic justice and the right ordering of the world. This is a question of whether right or wrong matter anymore. Whether this evil cabal should be allowed to destroy whoever they want, even an ex-president, at will and get away with it. They are ruining you, they are ruining your country, and they are ruining the entire peaceful ordering of your world, and they expect to get away with it. And they did it all because you chose Trump as your champion. This is why it must be Trump. He became the protagonist of this story, and we must see it through to its end. Trump must be the nominee in 2024, and furthermore, he must win. Pure poetry. Carl Benjamin is a fellow who gets it. The narrative, that is. Every moral lesson humans understand about the world they understand through the art of storytelling. And that is a constant theme that we highlight on this show. And that pretty much is the story behind all of the world's religions. It is also the story behind moral philosophies like even objectivism, which was propelled by the likes of Atlas Shrugged, The Fountainhead, and We the Living. Says Benjamin, Trump is the protagonist in an important moral story whose narrative arc is yet to resolve. What a brilliant observation and conclusion. Now, there's only one sentence I might amend in reference to something Benjamin said, and it was this, quote, They hated Trump not because of his flaws, but despite them, end quote. I would have put it this way. 
They hated Trump not because of his flaws, but because of his virtues. So what's your story? <laughs> Here, check out this scary story, especially in light of Trump suggesting that we could end up in World War III because we are governed by incompetent people and citing the weapons that might be used. This from the UK's Daily Mail on August 14th. Headline reads, FBI bulletin warns of dirty bomb threat and increasing calls for civil war in wake of Mar-a-Lago raid by Elizabeth Elkind. And I quote, The FBI has warned of a dirty bomb threat and increasing calls for civil war after agents raided Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. The Bureau said in a leaked memo, <laughs> very convenient, they had received an uptick in violent threats on social media following the morning search last week. The chilling note revealed thugs planned to put a dirty bomb in front of the agency's headquarters amid a suggested armed rebellion, quote-unquote. It comes as House GOP Republican Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania revealed he was told his life was in danger amid the fallout. The former FBI agent said he was threatened by, quote-unquote, some of the same people who are heaping verbal attacks against the federal law enforcement, end quote. Well, there you go. You may recall from our show on the nuclear fallout warning issued by the city of New York a couple of weeks ago that the idea of a dirty bomb, even a nuclear one, is not so outside the range of possible tactics that would be used by those leading the left. Many have argued that the deep state wants to force an insurrection from the right to justify some kind of force against them. X-22 suggested that we'll soon be seeing Antifa and MAGA hat garb pretending to be Trump supporters and wreaking havoc in the name of Trump supporters. A very real possibility. You know, it's, it's difficult to avoid the parallels between the Ottawa Freedom Convoy last winter, referred to as a blockade and insurrection by Trudeau's lying fascist government, and the January 6th march to Washington, D.C., also referred to as an insurrection by Biden's lying fascist government. <laughs> In both cases, the deep state tried to do everything it possibly could and is still trying to depict what, in both cases were among the most peaceful political gatherings to be seen anywhere. Because that's the nature of people on the right. That's just the way it is. People on the right use rationale. People on the left use force. That's a, that's a defining characteristic of, of the left versus the right. In any case, the deep state wants to depict all of these peaceful gatherings as violent events worthy of declaring states of emergency, which in turn apparently justify violating individual rights, suspending laws, and destroying every social norm of behavior and commerce. You know, no such powers should ever be delegated to any government anywhere at any time. Emergency powers? No way. Over the course of today's show, we've only featured a sampling of all of the issues and topics that were raised by Trump, and there were a few with which I might have some difficulty. I was somewhat uncomfortable, not so much about what he said, but about his apparent attitude towards Putin and Putin's actions in Ukraine. But Trump really never elaborated on that other than to say it would never have happened if he were in power. Agreed. <laughs> Trump also called for the death penalty for drug pushers and others in the illicit drug trade. 
And given the context in which he presented this idea, I could certainly understand the motivation behind it. But the broader topic would warrant nearly an entire show to properly address, which, if opportunity allows, I may yet do, given the really concerning drug problem we all face today, and that's the forced injections. And speaking of which, and very notably, Trump did not mention the vaccines once throughout that whole event, but did call on an elimination of all COVID mandates and lockdowns and a rehiring of every patriot who was fired from military with an apology and back pay. That was awesome. And that was a real positive on that front. And of course, Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan was certainly brought up. And the midterms, of course, were the key to the whole CPAC event. Now, predictions of what may happen to Trump are legion. They will assassinate him. They will indict him. They will arrest him. They will jail him. You name it. And if you think that Trump is not acutely aware of all of these possibilities, you would be greatly mistaken. And to emphasize that point, just before we wind up, here's a one-minute observation about Trump that was made by Dan Bongino on his August 12th podcast, during which I learned that Bongino himself was a professional bodyguard for two previous American presidents, Obama and Bush. So make of that what you will in the context of this observation. I had a meeting last night. You'll see in this picture up on the screen. Uh, Paul and I um, had dinner with President Trump last night for about two hours or so. Uh, I was always honored uh, to have dinner with the former president. And uh, a couple of things, you know, obviously... Yeah, I keep my conversations uh, private. You understand that, um, I'm sure. But uh, let me just get, give you a couple generalities from the meeting. Uh, folks, he, he's ready to fight. And let me tell you something. You have grossly, grossly miscalculated on the left if you think you're going to weaponize government to try to keep this guy from running for office and you think he's just going to roll over and play dead. You have grotesquely miscalculated. I put out a picture of the meeting last night. You just saw it on the screen. If you're watching on Rumble, if you're listening on the podcast, you can check it out on Rumble or on Locals or Instagram, on Facebook. I put up the picture of the thing. He is ready for a fight here. He knows exactly, exactly what he's dealing with. Make no mistake. It's sure not a mistake that I'd want to make. <laughs> How many times have we featured people on this show who, after meeting with Trump, have said something along the lines of, Trump is the art of war personified. Sounds a lot like a great story that needs yet to resolve, doesn't it? One way or the other, it will. And in the end, the major task before all of us eternally is to expose all versions of the deep state, its evil objectives, and most important in the long term, not simply to draw attention to evil, but to point people in the right direction towards the good the proper principles, the proper morality, the proper ideals that are essential to the maintenance of a free society. Kind of like what we'll be doing when you join us again next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes. A friend of mine recently said that I was the most persecuted person in the history of our country. And then I thought about it, 
because I didn't have time to think much because I'm always being persecuted.